Hi, I'm Brian Keeler. I'm a painter of still lifes, portraits, landscapes, and allegorical subjects, and I use a variety of mediums, and today I'll be demonstrating an oil landscape in late afternoon light. I was horrified when I looked and saw how many boats there were on the horizon. It didn't seem to be doing anything at all that was effective. Going around in circles, small boats with booms on the back of them sent out to gather up oil in what looked like teacups compared to the horizon. Risking her life, her health, to do things for people on the ground. And because she was there, I want her to report firsthand what she saw and what she did not see and who she interacted with because that's an important part of the rest of the story. Here's the breaking news. Well, essentially all human political systems exist to extract wealth from the periphery and concentrate it at the center. It's just that some of them do it a lot more effectively or efficiently than, than others. Capitalism does it extremely effectively. So it's a very effective mechanism for sucking wealth towards, uh, towards the center. What you do is you create a Ponzi scheme. Essentially, you're, you're sucking everything in, but you constantly require larger and larger periphery to suck it into in order to keep expanding the capacity of the center. And if you can't keep expanding, it will collapse like any Ponzi scheme. So you have to keep reaching out further and further. So in our era of globalization, which is really the, the, the laissez-faire, the epitome of laissez-faire, if you like, the, the real height of capitalism, what, we, what we've done is we reached out spatially through globalization so that we could expand our periphery and suck wealth out of the entire world. And we, we did it through converting everything into financialization. So instead of having to only extract physical resources, we were able to suck revenue streams out in a financial form and concentrate those in the hands of the center. That's really what makes it a financial Ponzi scheme. We also, of course, did extract the physical Mile resources. Mile 87, ground zero. My first view of the site was one of tremendous impact. I'll never forget the scene. These are not small boats. While standing at a dock looking at them, they look like large ships. They're dwarfed in comparison to what I see on the horizon. Nothing but a red mass of floating goo that could have been prevented and should have been prevented. Something between 15 and 20 miles across. This is serious. And tens of feet high. Uh, purple. In comparison. Uh, next color, ultramarine blue. Oops, got a little plastic bag stuck on there. Uh, ultramarine blue. Uh, beautiful. Uh, it's your warmer, warmer blue. My warmer blue in this case. Now this is preliminary because that measurement, as you know, GPS is degraded for civilian use. So we don't have access to the highest possible resolution of GPS data from the military side, or if, if it exists, they're not telling us. What, I mean, I guess, what is the worst case scenario here? What, what, what is keeping you awake about this? Uh, the environmental and economic uh, impact and, and damage that uh, will be created. I have reports tonight from very credible inside sources. When I say inside, I mean really inside, inside BP, mm -hmm. inside the U.S. government, that surface ships using GPS and depth finders have recorded in the last month the emergence of a bubble under the Gulf of Mexico floor. Uh, you know, I got a wife and children. No, I'm not happy with the, 
protection. I have breaking news tonight that is very important for people to hear. Hit us with your best shot. If those defenses fail, uh, which they might in this kind of weather with a high wind causing high tidal action of, of seas of six to seven feet, uh, that means uh, the oil could wash over, booms could go around, could push the booms out of the way. But again, it is better than war. Any sacrifice we make out of our pocketbook or inconvenient, it is better than losing somebody else's life. Far better. And I, I have five families that work with me. The tide shifts it one way and then tide shifts it another way. Uh, Mother Nature's holding all the cards right now. This is a very, very significant event. And, and it's of great concern. And uh, certainly from my own perspective, having dealt with these for a long time, um, I'm frightened. I, this, is a, this is a very, very big thing. And the efforts that are going to be required to do anything about it, especially if it continues on, are just uh, mind-boggling. I'm frightened uh, for the country for the environment. Uh, paint application on your surface uh, versus I've tried brights and you know the brights are really short and they're almost like painting with a palette knife. Is um, Terra Rosa. Uh, this is just a nice strong earth red. You could also of course substitute like Venetian red. Yeah, I can't think of why I choose Blake White else right now. There's several earth reds right out there that are similar. This one's a little more uh, orangey. It's lead based, just, just gorgeous. It's such a luminosity. It's like a nice, love. beautiful. It's also uh, burgundy. As, um, When you're painting clouds, the edges are very important because they allow you to create a soft and fuzzy appearance. Almost every cloud has a soft edge, a transition between the blue sky and the cloud itself. You better start working on this at an early stage when the blue of the sky is still wet. Creating all the, the infrastructure with all that embodied energy, we are wasting what we had left to send ourselves down these blind alleys that will achieve absolutely nothing. So we're profoundly misinformed when we think that we're simply going to be able to continue business as usual. And there are a number of parts of the world that want to follow that American example without ever understanding what the lessons that come from it actually are. These details are pretty important in order to make the cloud look real. Little bulges and dots that got separated from the big cloud interrupt the shape and give it a sense of movement.
The big problem is the big energy companies, the big utilities who are locked into centralised power and particularly the nuclear industry. They hate this stuff. They hate the idea of the people having their own power, literally and metaphorically, in their own communities. And they fight very hard against it. The oil companies are a bit split. You know, they, they tinker with renewable energy. So BP and Shell invest a bit. They're half-hearted. They're not really serious. It's greenwash. But Total, French company, worried about peak oil, the only major oil company to have any concerns about peak oil, just made a big investment in solar uh, recently. And, and it'll be very interesting to watch what they do with that. So in actual fact, in this context, the oil companies aren't as bad as the big power companies. A value difference between them. changing it somewhat from the um, original uh, to uh, accentuate the layers of cloud. It should be mentioned that this is not only an environmental disaster, but a social disaster as well. Fishermen out of work. Oyster shuckers, no work. People working the dock. We don't have a business. We've got a number of turtles that come up on our beaches out here in the past two weeks of our life. I've been here all my life since eight years old. I've never seen drastic turtles come up on our beach as, as they are now. I think 24 in the last two weeks. That's astronomical. It's time for our government to step up to the plate and take responsibility for what's happening on the shores of our country. Several waterkeeper programs along the coast have already been impacted and many more are expecting landfall. It's a measure of the desperation in the UK that they're prepared to contemplate this. And they are desperate because the North Sea oil and gas, that was the only reason Britain ever got out of the winter of discontent in the first place, is depleting in double-digit percentages per year. Uh, they've built all this gas infrastructure. So they, they went through the extra gas building infrastructure much, much earlier in the, in the 90s than, than America did. Regardless of whether <laughs> you can recover, uh, to have this sort of a blow uh, to the environment, the economy, is not a good thing. We're just sitting and waiting to see if it's going to come our way or push more toward Louisiana. Well, not really angry. It's just the waiting game. Uh, can we can we work this summer? Can we not work this summer? Are we going to have an oyster reef next year to work or we're not? Um, it's just um, in order to keep our business going, we have to have a product coming in. If we don't have the product coming in, we don't have a business. them up a little bit oh well um, anyways I you know I usually have a, a warm base blue which means it's bent a little bit more to the purple side of things uh, it kind of looks a little bit more like a navy blue and then and I could just show you the difference there uh, and then my next color is Prussian blue uh, or you could use a phthalo or something very similar uh, colors um, but Prussian uh, dries really quickly I like that uh, so just to show you the difference with a bit of white here, a little bit of white into that ultramarine. 
and we'll put a little bit of white into the um, Prussian because when they're so dark you know these pigments are also dark it's really and they're so transparent that it's really hard to see without a bit of white into them just what their differences are so as you can see this is a little bit more of a turquoisey color uh, which makes really gorgeous greens and it's a much stronger tinting strength than the ultramarine blue so you know like if you're trying to make a really uh, a high highly intense green actually I'll just show you you know let's say if you're going for a, a really intense green you might use cad lemon and Prussian blue if you need a very let's say maybe the dullest one of the well went black will give you the dullest green but if you want to do a dull green well first I'll put in the same color cad lemon and ultramarine blue I kind of put too much cad lemon but you can see the difference there between the two it's uh, much cooler more intense and uh, we'll put some more yellow in that uh, what will be happening in a matter of days here on the refuge as a result of this colossal spill here in the Gulf Coast. Bon Secours was established in 1980 as a national wildlife refuge primarily for migrating songbirds and seabirds that right now are at the height of their migration. Uh, also importantly, it's the westernmost reach of nesting sea turtles and we have just begun the sea turtle nesting uh, time frame and we expect to see loggerheads on shore within the week. What's of, of great concern about the loggerheads, which is a, one of the most highly endangered species of sea turtles, is that to get to this very beach to lay their eggs, they're going to have to swim through what is likely some of the greatest concentration of oil. So we, we don't know is what shape these uh, female nesting sea turtles will be when they arrive here on the beach, and uh, even more importantly, uh, what shape the next uh, generation. Brickier than say Venetian red, and this is a very very, very strong color. It's equally as strong in, in its tinting strength as, say, the cadmiums. Um, so a little bit of this goes a long way, but a gorgeous color. And uh, not a color that I use often. It just depends on the setup that I'm working with or the landscape. So I may not even put it out that regularly. Uh, the next color is Cad Yellow Deep. on earth are they going to do? They truly are desperate enough to suck spilled beer out of the carpet. So I, I think we need to truly understand the lessons that come out of moving into unconventional oil and gas. It's by no means a solution, it's let alone a panacea for, for anything. The amount of potential area that can be impacted. Schmidt, like many around here, is frustrated because for the second straight day, oil workers were hampered by weather. Government is what ensures that mines adhere to safety standards and that oil spills are cleaned up by the companies that cause them. And even play games along the docks to pass the time. Some here are lashing out at the federal government. 
And I, and I, I, I know you want to talk about other things. They built I want all to this infrastructure. The They're not going to have the gas to run it. They've shut down the coal industry. All their nuclear plants are at or near the end of their design life. The oil is depleting too. You hear so much stuff. They say that we're not out of anything yet, but I mean, we're shut down for anything that we can do because of the oil. And then, uh, I, I don't know. And then you, we've signed contracts to be able to go to work. And now we're told that the contracts that we signed may stop us from getting any kind of funding from them. At nine miles out, we began to smell the oil. At 11 miles out, we saw a visible sheen on top of the water. Heavy streaking was evident at about mile 15. Mile 26, we began to see solid oil on top of the water with a heavy sheen and numerous streaks at mile MSNBC, 30. Fox, CNN, CBS, ABC, all of them are treating this like a catastrophe that is over except for the cleanup. I have news. It is not over. In fact, it may not even have begun. Hi, I'm Michelle Chi, and I invite you to join my cause to help the wildlife affected by the recent oil spill. The spill has formed a toxic mixture of oil, chemicals, and water that impacts the Gulf's wetlands, lagoons, and barrier islands, as well as over 400 species of wildlife. Many animals have already been found dead along the shore, including sea turtles, fish, birds, sharks, jellyfish, and more. Not only is there oil on the surface of the water, but the oil is falling to the bottom of the sea, where it threatens virtually every leak in the ocean food chain, from plankton to fish on dinner tables everywhere. Even when they find a way to stop the oil spill, restoration efforts in the Gulf will continue for a very long time. Many animals will continue to suffer from burns, ulcers, internal bleeding, poisoning, and even hypothermia. Okay, so that away. As you can see, I need to order more. Oh no. <laughs> okay, uh, and then the next color is uh, cad yellow lemon. Uh, you could also use cad yellow light, but I really love lemon. It has a nice strong bite to it. Very, very different from this. Now sometimes I might mix these two together if this, you know, if the yellow is more of a middle yellow in the painting. So. Um, uh, what else can I say? I use the CADs a lot for shadow colors, ivory black with um, a, one of these cadmiums or two cadmiums, you know, these two together or these two together plus ivory black. That's sort of a go-to shadow color, always. Because I use quite um, okay, a lot of medium, I need more than uh, one layer to get the color intensity I want. From Vistar, usually I use layer CAD red light, but again, since this was gifted, and this is... For me, very comparable to cab red light, so I'm not too picky about that. Uh, this is a really beautiful red, by the way. And Blazing as you can see, you know, a little bit goes a long way. I use this a lot, but just a small touch is all you need. So this tube is going to last me a long time, uh, I would think. And, you know, Vasari, of course, is much um, more strongly pigmented than, say, uh, Windsor & Newton here. Um, so, you know, you just get more bang for your buck there, I guess would be the saying. Um, okay. 
And next color, usually this color is uh, alizarin crimson, and I still do uh, because this color is very different from alizarin crimson. So if I have something that I really need alizarin crimson for, I won't put this out. But this was out from yesterday's painting, which had a really beautiful blue the violet uh, plumbago flower in it. So um, I just felt like this would be a nicer violet to use. It's called ruby violet. Just lovely, gorgeous. As you can see, it's like a nice, beautiful uh, burgundy but that most you know, of the color. So the alizarin crimson I have from Windsor & Newton is a little warmer, a little richer than this, not quite as purpley. This is sort of a kind of I remember cooler. being at, uh, I was at an art class um, when I was sort of nine years old to about 12 years old. I, maybe a bit longer. Uh, it was a local art club, uh, which um, at that age, I must have been reducing the average age by a few decades. Um, but uh, I, I remember, you know, what will I paint today? You're going to an art club and you want to paint from something and I'll be sifting through some photographs to paint from. Now, if they're your own photographs and you're not a professional photographer, those photographs will not be any good at all. Uh, so to actually stick to that photograph is going to be useless because even the most accomplished uh, photorealistic painter is going to come up with something which is pretty average looking because it's based on an average looking photograph. If you're painting from a professional photographs then the concept isn't yours, it's someone else's and you are not in ownership of that painting at all. So how do you avoid this? Well, you've got to not carry that photograph about like a ball and chain. You've got to know how to uh, bring something of your own uh, imagination into it and something of your own adaption and understand uh, that you can, you don't need to include all that stuff that's in the photograph. The lens of a camera will make judgment calls on all sorts of things. And you don't want to be, um, you want to, you don't want to be out of control uh, and in the control of a camera lens. There's going to be another video based on painting from photographs and and, and watching what you should and shouldn't do there, uh, rather what you shouldn't do rather than what you should. Um, and number number six is the chances are. When you're painting your skies, you're probably using a brush that isn't big enough. Just use a bigger brush. It's as simple as that. There probably won't be a video dedicated on how to use a bigger brush. Just pick up but this, a bigger this brush. This creation of a bubble around the wellhead, the Deepwater Horizons, you know, B BOP sitting on the ocean floor. On May 7, 2010, John Blockman and pilot Tom Hutchinson flew out over the Gulf of Mexico. Along the way, we saw small boats dragging buoys out to the islands to protect them from the oil sheen that was certainly coming our way. I'm frightened for the country, for the environment. Uh, I, I, this is just a huge uh, problem for this country and our environment. And uh, I took my life savings. It's just beginning to this business. Going to take a massive effort. Raymond Schmidt is angry, angry, and scared. And I'm right sitting. $55,000 boat I gotta pay for. Uh, you know, I got a wife and children. 
Schmidt, like many around here, is frustrated because for the second straight day, oil workers were... That doesn't sit right in Venice, Louisiana. What they're doing is they're letting the oil slick is now roughly the size of Puerto Rico. In the energy debate, it's important to realize that everybody and everything is subsidized. So don't let the nuclear industry <laughs> persuade you that they're not subsidized, because they're subsidized to the tune of hundreds of billions, as are the fossil fuel companies, in all kinds of ways. And the subsidies from new renewables are a fraction of what goes into conventional energy. That's the first starting point. But we need the subsidies because we're currently, in most countries, a bit more expensive than conventional energy. And we can, with so-called feed-in tariffs, rack the, the price down that we charge to the point where we will be providing power at the same price and less than conventional energy. And then the subsidies go away, so we don't need them forever, whereas, of course, nuclear essentially does. Um, and that's a very important thing for people to understand because the myth machine of big energy pumps out this notion that you can only have um, green energy if you have horrifically high subsidies and they ignore their own dependency on subsidies. They also ignore the holistic economics. So in the case of building a solar industry, you're creating jobs, you're creating lots of jobs. They're local jobs, they're paying taxes. Uh, the, the workers, there is VAT on the, on, the, on the products, there's avoided unemployment benefit in countries that have that, you know, and if you do the total sum, the subsidy is worth every pound. that look at the mobilization rates of renewable energy technology and one from the University of California shows that by 2030, as soon as 2030, if you had the will, the political will in the world, you could mobilize 100% renewable energy to 11 terawatts without going faster in terms of mobilization rates and we've already gone with other technologies like the internal combustion engine, like the mobile phone. Um, and so we're really very bullish but, of course, what's missing in all this is the political will. And, you know, uh, there is a whole culture that just doesn't believe you can get your energy this way. And you, we've always got it from centralized power plants, from fossil fuels and nuclear. We always will. And if there are problems, we kind of bolt on solutions like carbon capture and storage or nuclear uh, waste disposal. And, you know, uh, there's a big battle of ideas going on in the world which uh, I think that the clean energy advocates have to win. It's a bit of an existential war. down the coast. People are canceling reservations. Fishing boats are not going out. The economic impact to this event will be incredible and felt for decades to come. 
No one knows if the fishing will ever recover. No one knows if the Gulf will ever heal from this. One thing for certain, we must learn from the mistakes that have been made here. see on the horizon now there's these mats of this reddish pink sheen it was easy to find our way back to shore all we had to do was follow the red there was a perfect line of it leading from the rig toward the shoreline here right off ship island and horn island we found sheen behind the islands and in the sound Preparations had been made, but will it be enough? 